Hey, thanks a lot for checking out the podcast on this, the anniversary of the death of Elvis. Adam T. Elvis will join us on the podcast. We're also going to talk to Anna Marie Pappas. She is with Recycled Talent, and they have a play coming up you might want to check out right here in Winnipeg in the Heights. She'll tell us all about it. And a regular, our Thursday regular, Karen Klassen from Conexus Counseling. Please rate the podcast. Please subscribe to the podcast. And now, here it is, the podcast. Elvis Presley to get us in the mood here. We're caught in a trap. Uh-huh. I can't walk out. Thank you very much. Because I love you too much, baby. Uh, pardon me, waitress. Can I get some more mayonnaise, please? Why can't you see what you're doing to me when you don't believe a word I say? Now, uh, how in tarnation did it end up that I owe the colonel money? Waitress, waitress, can I please get this deep fried again? Ah, Elvis, that right there, that right there is one of my favorite Elvis Presley songs. And I'm kidding around and I'm joking around. I realize it's the anniversary of his death, but come on, it's it's been a while. You're Elvis, pretty good at that. Al, thank you very much, Will. Thank you. I see you stuck around after the news just for my performance. I wanted to hear yeah. that. I'll tell you who is a hell of an Elvis impersonator. Huh who puts on a great Elvis show, is Adam T. Elvis. And Adam T. Elvis from beautiful downtown Gimli, Manitoba, uh, joins us on the phone. Good afternoon, Adam. Hey, Al. How's it going? Great. Thanks for calling in, man. I'm so glad I mentioned that I was trying to reach you because I did send an email and I left a message, and I'm not sure if it got to you, but, boy, I mentioned your name, and how many calls did you get from people all over Manitoba? Uh, I had my cousin Debbie out in Oak Bank. She uh, she <laughs> yeah. called me first, and then I had a few other messages showing up. Uh, as a matter of fact, even while the news was, was on, the people were, like, texting me, and I was like, I hope this doesn't ding while we're on the air here. <laughs> There you go, the power of radio. Well, I'm glad you heard me because, listen, man, I think you are one of the finest Elvis impersonators out there, and I've seen you perform up there in Gimli. You do a great job, and I know you know a lot about Elvis. I mean, this all started for you because you have a love for this guy and his music, right? Uh, Way back when I was uh, basically about 10 years old, and uh, by the time I was 13, I I was on stage performing. Wow. And how many years ago is that now? You've done this for a long time. Uh, pretty much uh, 27 years I've been, uh, I've been performing uh, uh, professionally. Good for you, man. And you do a great job. You do a great job. Much. Yeah. Is Gimli still doing that Elvis weekend up there? Uh, no. Uh, there was no available weekends this year for, uh, that were available at the rec center to, uh, to go and, and have the Elvis Festival weekend. Uh, but uh, a lot of people are missing it, and it's something that we're looking at to make sure that we book the, uh, book the uh, rec center early for next year. And that way there will be no problems, and uh, we'll be bringing it back next year for, for, for all, all the Elvis fans. Excellent, because that was a, a great event, and I hadn't heard anything about it, so I, I wondered about it. Uh, do you have a favorite Elvis song, Adam? Uh, you know, uh, I always joke that it was the song that kind of got me started in, in, in the rack in the business, uh, Hound Dog, because that was the song that uh, one of my schoolmates was singing the day that 
uh, I got into Elvis. And uh, he, I didn't know who Elvis even was, but he was singing Hound Dog in school for some strange reason. Huh. And I went home and I asked my mama who uh, sang that song. She said Elvis Presley. Uh, incidentally, that night, uh, we all remember the TV show Full House. Yeah. Uh, John Stamos uh, was singing Little Sister in, uh, in the, on, or I guess on the TV show. Yeah. And my mom had explained that that wasn't Elvis, but that was Elvis's song. And it was kind of catchy as well. Yeah. That same weekend, Sunday night on the Disney Channel, the movie Jailhouse Rock was on TV. We sat there, watched it, and by Monday morning, I was flicking my hair back and turning up my collars, and uh, <laughs> I found I found a great new love for for Elvis music and the oldies music and everything just from back then. Yeah, because I was going to say you're really kind of too young to be an Elvis fan. I was uh, I was born three years after Elvis had passed away in '77. I was born in 1980, so. Wow, which says a lot for this guy. I mean, you know, we lost the Queen of Soul today, Aretha Franklin, and on this day in, well, 1977, I guess it was, we lost the King of Rock and Roll. Why was he the king? Why was Elvis such a big deal even all these years later? Well, you know, I mean, he didn't really know what he was doing. You know, I I mean, he was a rebel because he was giving them what they didn't want, but he was giving it to them. Yeah. And so I always joke that uh, he, was, he was a rebel without a clue, but yet he was the personification of cool. He had that hint of Brando. He had that uh, hint of James Dean, which were all teen idols at the same time, too. And he, he created from what he saw in the movies to uh, his dance moves that he uh, basically got from the gospel, southern gospel preachers right. that, that they used to go see back, you know, back in the uh, 40s and early 50s. They were the ones who were dancing around to the music and clapping around to the gospel spirituals, and that's what Elvis brought to the stage in, in, in rock and roll. And, you know, from there, his stardom went up. Then he went into the movies, which was, I mean, Elvis was the highest paid actor in Hollywood for, I think it was six years in a row in, in the mid-60s. Yeah, And then, I mean... The younger crowd who couldn't see Elvis in Vegas when he was there when he was 21 were then, you know, swooning and, 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 and you know, trying to break the doors down to get to go see him in the 70s in Vegas or wherever it may be because, you know, they, their parents wouldn't allow them to go see Elvis. Now they were, they were adults and they were able to go see and take in the music that they grew up listening to and whatnot. So, I mean, that is kind of... as. Uh, pretty much all in a layman's term, why Elvis was, was the king, because he did so much in a short time. He had uh, such a wide variety of everything from rockabilly and rock and roll, gospel, blues, country, Christmas albums, more type of genres than any other artist that's even out there today will even touch. I love your excitement in talking about Elvis. I, I, I love it. So Elvis fans are often asked one question. Young Elvis or old Elvis? So let me ask you, were you into young Elvis or old Elvis? Uh, you know what? I've always been really partial to the young Elvis because um, you know, he had that charisma. He had that, that young, good-looking look that the girls went after. Yeah. I mean, as much as I love the jumpsuits and the big you know, lamb chop sideburns, he was very, to me, he seemed very clean-cut in the, in the 50s, but he mm. had that raw energy on stage. And again, you know, I just to kind of reiterate that, you know, he was giving them what they didn't want. They didn't know what they were even receiving from Elvis. You know, right. they, they had no clue what this was meant for the world. And, you know, even on the end of things, you know, uh, uh, going with the Beatles and going with things like uh, Garth Brooks. And, and I mean, even with some of today's country music artists, Carrie Underwood and uh, some of the, the other American idols, 
you know, they say, oh, you know, uh, our, our, our biggest influences were, you know, some of the early songs from the 60s, the Beatles. But then you got to think about it. If it wasn't for Elvis, as John Lennon said, there would have never been a Beatles because mm. they all wanted to be Elvis. Yeah. They wanted that stardom. They wanted that charisma, which is what they gave the, 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 the their fans later on in the 60s. Mm-hmm. So basically, no matter what kind of rock and roll, the minute they, they said that they were inspired by the Beatles or the Rolling Stones or uh, whoever, uh, it all still stems down to Elvis because he was the guy who broke the mold. Yeah. Yeah. Back to the old Elvis, uh, young Elvis uh, debate. Uh, and old Elvis, I think, in some ways was was kind of sad, right? He put on weight. Uh, he, he, you knew that uh, there were probably some drugs being used. Uh, you knew that the career, I mean, he was still huge, both literally and figuratively, some would say. Yeah. But, I mean, he was still big, but he wasn't that uh, incredible sex symbol star that he was early on. Well, you know what happens was, I mean, in, in the early days, he had to work. He had to play that audience like there was no tomorrow. Mm. But then when he, later on, when he got into the jumpsuits, you know, I mean, early in the, in the early 70s, he was doing some karate kicks and whatnot because he was very big into that. Yeah. But there was no real hip-shaking, per se, because he was now Elvis. Yeah. And he didn't have to shake a leg or whatnot anymore. He could stand there, put his thumb inside of his belt, sing Hound Dog or Kennel Falling in Love or mm-hmm. uh, You Gave Me a Mountain, and it still would come out as great as it did in the early days. But everyone just ex- accepted it, you know, that he wasn't jumping around the stage because he wasn't young anymore. The jumpsuits kind of made up because they were flashy and mm-hmm. whatnot. But he was still able, right to the day he died, be, he was able to belt out those songs like yeah. My Way and How Great Thou Art and uh, Hurt and, and you know, still be, he was still able to do all the rockers too. You know, yeah. Teddy Bear, Hound Dog, Don't Be Cruel. And, you know, it didn't matter if he did the young songs or the, the, the newer songs, I guess, in the 70s. He could belt it out and make any song his. Yeah, I was watching some video on YouTube this morning and there was, uh, I mean, it was, he was getting up there in age and the sweat was pouring off of him. He looked uncomfortable, but man, when he opened his mouth and sang, wow! It was it was incredible what he could still do right to the time he passed away, which I mean was of course very very unfortunate. You know, forty two years old. Yeah. Uh, you know, we 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 look at the the artists that are on the radio these days, and some are only starting in their forties. Right. Yeah. And but he, but he did more in his 21 years that he was from RCA uh, in 1956. Well, okay, I have to throw in the Sun Record years there uh, in from 54 to 77. In those 23 years, he accomplished more than anyone is even doing today. He was putting out singles, sometimes four, five, six singles a year, plus two or three albums and a country album and a gospel album and whatnot. And here, sometimes it takes three, four, five years just to get a single out from an, yeah. from an artist that's been around. Right, yeah. Hey, Adam, uh, before I let you go, thanks again for doing this. Before I let you go, how can people find you? How can they book you, website, if they want you to come out and perform? How do they do it? Uh, you can head online uh, to www.adamtelvis.com. 
simple, easy, all one word. Uh, or you can look up the Adam T. Elvis show on Facebook. I get a, I have a huge following on there. Uh, people post a lot of their pictures of, of me that they take of, the, of concerts and sitting with video. So I try to share as much as that as possible from cool. uh, my audience and crowd. Hell, I want to thank you very much for uh, for having me on today. This yeah. has been a wonderful, wonderful time, and uh, we'll see you out in Gimli one today. All right, buddy. Thanks a lot. Oh, and, and before you, you go, much. Adam, I got to do this. Okay, I got to do this. Adam T. Elvis, thank you. Thank you very much. Anna Marie Pappas joins us on the phone now to talk about recycled talent and a, a play they have coming up, The Heights. Hi, Anna Marie. Hi, Mr. Anderson. Thank uh, you call so me much Hal. for this opportunity. Call okay, me Hal. Hal. No, no, I'm happy to give you the opportunity. So recycled talent, let's start there before we get to the show and details on where the show is later on this month. What is recycled talent? Recycled Talent is a newly formed not-for-profit musical theatre company that was started uh, by and was the vision of Dan Hall, who's an educator uh, for several years now in the Seven Oaks School Division at Acol Seven Oaks Middle School. Um, he's been their musical director there as well for several wonderful shows, and he's always wanted to do some larger productions and recognize that there's so much talent in the schools, but once students leave, they often don't get involved anymore in Mm -hmm. the music or theater world. So he saw this as providing an opportunity for them to get involved again. And, you know, he's had such a positive effect on students and parents and friends. He's been so inspiring that when he decided this was going to be the year, many of us, like myself, uh, jumped at the chance to be a part of the team. Yeah, this is a great idea because you're right. People go through school, they love drama and acting or singing, and then they get Mm -hmm. done school and they don't often carry on with that, do they? Exactly, exactly. And everybody involved in the Recycled Talent Productions, from the board members to the cast to the creative team, we're all volunteers. And we've all come together really for just that love and enjoyment of music and theater, dancing and productions in general. Yeah. Now, The Heights, uh, this is by the same playwright that people will know who did Hamilton, correct? Correct. This is, it's In the Heights. Uh, oh, in, oh, in the Heights, it's called? In the Heights. Okay, yep. thanks. It actually, the interesting story behind that is Lin-Manuel Miranda um, was looking for work and was having trouble getting work. And he has said in many interviews, well, the best way to find work is let's write a musical myself. Mm-hmm. And so this was really his first big musical. In 2008, it won multiple Tony Awards, including Best Musical, Best Choreography. And if, if people like Hamilton and the music from Hamilton, somebody said to me the other day, it, the music in the show is like Hamilton with a Latin mix. Hmm. Interesting. In the mm-hmm. Heights by recycled the Heights. by recycled talent. Talk about where this is happening because that's part of the story here too. Uh, this is actually happening at the newest um, state-of-the-art theater here in Winnipeg called the Seven Oaks Performing Arts Center, and it's located at 711 Jefferson Avenue. Beautiful, beautiful theater. It seats over 500 people. The seats are very comfortable. The stage itself is the size of the stage at Rainbow Stage in Kildonan Park. Mm. And interesting enough, Rainbow Stage has recently used it for rehearsals for their summer production as well. Wow. How -hmm. can people get tickets? Tell us where we can find tickets or more information on the show. 
Okay, well, the shows are, we have three shows. It's August 23, 25, and 26. Uh, the shows are at 7 o'clock, and tickets are available at RecycleTalent.Ticket. That's T-I-C-K-I-T dot C-A. Uh, they're $20 plus a $3 handling fee. Uh, depending on if we sell out a show um, or not will depend on uh, tickets available at the door, but we certainly uh, hope that there will be some for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, but people can also visit our website at RecycleTalent.Weebly.com or on our Facebook site at Facebook.com slash RecycleTalent. Um, it's going to be a really fun evening. I mean, there's so much that goes on in the summers here in Winnipeg, and this is going to be such an enjoyable evening to finish off the music in the show. It's a mix of rap, hip-hop, salsa, merengue, soul. It's fun. It's energetic. People are going to laugh. They may shed a tear too. And if the music doesn't get people dancing in the streets, in the streets, in the in the aisles, yeah. in their seats, they definitely are going to be bopping along in their seats as well. So, um we also have um, an email address if there's any questions, uh, recycletalentproductions at gmail.ca, um, or I could be contacted directly as well. Um, we're also going to have 50-50 draws there. Uh, there's going to be a canteen for refreshments. It's going to be a really fun evening. All right, great. And I had no problem finding out all the information I needed. I just Googled Recycle Talent, and it popped right up. So I encourage people to support local theater. This sounds like a lot of fun. Anna-Marie, thanks for telling us about it. Thank you so much for giving us this opportunity. You bet. Hope you sell it out. Thanks a lot. Bye-bye. Anna-Marie Pappas, Recycled Talent. The show is called In the Heights, and it's coming up later on this month. Again, details uh, online, 20 bucks, and you're supporting local theater. Carolyn Klassen is here from Conexus Counseling. We're going to get to a few subjects, uh, or at least a couple with Carolyn. Ways men can approach women. So that's coming up. And we're also going to talk about seven personality traits that make the most loving and connected soulmates. But first of all, we're going to talk about a very secretive event. Uh, Carolyn Klassen is here. Good to see you, Carolyn. How are you? Oh, sorry, your mic's uh, not working. There it is. It's on now. Hey how there. are you? Good, how are you? Good. And your son is here. My son is here. Young Carter Bergen. Hello, Carter. Hi, thanks for having me. Yeah, thanks for coming in. So before we get to the stuff we're going to talk about today, Carolyn, you gave me a heads up about this last week, and you said, but listen, we can't talk about it uh, because we... Well, explain why we couldn't talk well, about this. Well, it was an event um, by downtown, for downtown, for core area people, and so mm. uh, we uh, they, they they just kept it sort of an intimate uh, yeah. street hockey tournament for the locals, because that's what street hockey is, is it's all about the people that are right there playing. Mm-hmm. And I should mention, too, that Carter is the summer student specialist at Main Street Project, where I'm told you now have enough water. Yes, we were uh, <laughs> we were given over seventy thousand water bottles in a week, over two uh, two thousand cases. Yeah, isn't that something? It was so eh? cool the way Winnipeg responded to that need, and we drank that water yesterday at uh, the street hockey tournament. Yeah, that's mm-hmm. cool. When you know we can be a part of putting that out there and saying, "Hey, Main Street Project needs help," and then they come through with seventy thousand bottles. It was amazing how the city helped us out. Yeah, yeah. So tell us about this event. So it's a uh, uh, essentially a street hockey tournament. Yeah, it was. It's uh, called the Summer Whiteout Street Hockey Festival, and um, the draw of it was that we were uh, we rented out the street in front of our shelter, and then basically we uh, we play pickup hockey with all of our 
our clients and anybody who wanted to join was uh, welcome to. And then we surrounded the game with other essential services such as haircuts, bike tune-ups, uh, nail polish, free food. And so it was basically just a day for everybody and an excuse to have fun was what it uh, really was, yeah. So a lot of these people, that's very cool, eh? I mean, a lot of these people are just trying to find shelter and food, and mm-hmm. here they are enjoying some of the things we enjoy every day and probably take for granted, eh? Exactly. There's a lot of people in that area that live a very stressful life because they're always worried about finding food to drink, uh, food to eat, water to drink, and uh, where they're actually going to sleep. And having fun isn't always their number one uh, thought, but the fact that we were able to give that to them yesterday was awesome for us. Yeah, and you were there, Carolyn, it was fun? I was there, yeah. I was um, helping with the clothing distribution, Mm -hmm. so that gave me a front row seat to the hockey. And when I was thinking about this, it was beautiful that this was sort of Carter's little brainchild that everybody helped with Main Street Project. But when he was little, he was prone to a lot of ear infections. Mm. Uh, And there would be some times where he would have a temperature of 102 and he was sick and the antibiotics and the Tylenol hadn't kicked in yet. And he would say, Mom, I think the only thing we can do right now is play street hockey. (laughs) (laughs) And so we would go out and play. This little sick little kid would play street hockey, but he could forget how sick he was for a time when he was busy focused on the ball and trying to get it into the net. And so Mm -hmm. we would play street hockey to distract him from his pain of the moment. And I think we all need things in our lives, things to do to have fun, to distract us from the, re- the some of the painful realities of life. And it was so much fun to watch people yesterday let loose and have a blast. What a great idea. So this has to now inspire you, Carter, to maybe come up with other stuff like this because your mom is absolutely right. Sometimes we just need a distraction from the stresses of life. Yeah, exactly. And this is something that hopefully we'll be able to do annually, if mm-hmm. if, if not more annually, or if not more often than that. Yeah, yeah. right. Yeah. Oh, that's a great idea. Yeah, uh, before we get chatting, well, first of all, I love your mom. She's fantastic. She's fantastic. Yeah, she I really mean, is. Yeah. Tell me what it was like growing up with Carolyn Klassen as a mom. It was awesome, but frustrating because she was always right. Her emotional <laughs> intelligence, her emotional intelligence is so high that whether you're freaking out or calm or like or whatever yeah, it is, right. you're never right around her. Yeah. So she was. A, in a great way. Good catch. In a great way. Good so, catch um, right there, everything buddy. Everything turned into a learning uh, opportunity because she's so wise when it comes to interactions uh, uh, between people. So I was yeah. able to learn in every situation, and I'm very grateful for that. Yeah. And, and so tell Isn't me he now, he is a fantastic kid. Well, he's from you, so of course he'd be fantastic. Um, so tell me maybe some things that you learned from your mom, Carolyn. Oh, man. That you've now taken to this position at Main Street Project, because I would imagine a lot of the things that she has taught you over the years, you use now in dealing with your clients. For sure, yeah. And I think one of the things at the forefront is patience with people and always seeing the best in people. And I think I've found um, there's uh, there's conversations that you have with people in the downtown area and the brightest side of them might not come out at first. But if you have patience and you can look, for, look at, uh, at the situation that they're in and how they have to see life... And then being able to see the positive things that they have and the positive things that they have to offer you and they have to offer the world. And then all of a sudden you get to see them in a completely new life and how in the friendship they can offer and kind of what they can offer to the world. So I think patience and seeing the good in people is what my mom's taught me. Yeah. Here, here, look for the <laughs> best in people, look yeah. for the good instead of always looking for the bad, right? Like I talk about kindness on the show sometimes, and that's, I mean, that's one way to look at it. But what you just said is absolutely the case. We all have good. We all have things we can contribute, whether we're homeless or we got 10 million bucks in the bank, right? Exactly. Yeah. And we've got to find that and, and appreciate that in others, right, Carolyn? And we don't absolutely. do enough of that. 
And and I think what he was talking about in terms of patience is understanding that sometimes when people are challenged, they don't always put their best foot forward. They put their defensive foot forward, right? Mm -hmm. So people put walls up because they feel like they have to protect themselves. And if you can be patient and have them realize they don't need to have their walls around you and the walls just gradually come down, they dismantle themselves, then you can see this incredible person behind that. Mm -hmm. And it's beautiful. And then they remember who they are when they get to be that with you. Yeah. She Harder. says it a lot better than I do. Yes, that's, she does. That's yeah. what I meant. <laughs> I do this for a living, and she comes in every week and does it better than yeah. I do it. So don't feel bad. And by the way, on this show, every Thursday between 2.30 and 3, she is right as well. Every yes. time. Yes, it never fails. Every time. Hey, Carter, thanks a lot for coming in, and, and keep up the good work done at Main Street Thank Project. you for having me. Carolyn Klassen is here from Connexus Counseling. We've been wanting to talk about this for a couple of weeks, and mm-hmm. I'm anxious to hear your thoughts on this. Ways men can approach women, because let's face it, it is different out there now. Yes. It's much different. And I think most guys want to approach a woman that they might be interested in, in a respectful way. Sure. So uh, help us out, Caroline. Well, I think one of the cool things that the hashtag MeToo movement has done is made it is made the public more aware of some of the discomfort that women have had for a very long time. Mm-hmm. And then I think men are starting to realize that when they approach a woman because they may be interested in her or want to strike up a conversation, that she is not only meeting them, she's also meeting them in light of previous past experiences that she has had. Right. And odds are that she's had some negative experiences. Mm-hmm. And so I think men are recognizing that they're not always seen for who they are. They're sometimes seen in light of their gender and some of the bad experiences that women have had. And so while that feels lousy for a man, because can't she just see me for me? Right. The challenge is when you can recognize that, mm-hmm. then you can be aware of it. And when you, uh, the, and what the, the, the article that we were going to be talking about in terms of approaching women with authentic, authenticity, authenticity and confidence is recognizing that when you approach a woman genuinely interested in meeting her and hearing her and hearing what she needs in order to be comfortable, and if you're attuned and, res- and, and aware of that and respond to her in light of that, the relationship is likely to go much better. Yeah, that is such a good point that, uh, listen, it doesn't make it right, but it's fact. Mm-hmm. You are going to be dealt with, to some degree, the way other men have behaved with her. That's, that's, it's the bag, call it baggage, call it whatever you want. It's there and you have to show her, hey, that's not me. She's going in with a preconceived idea of how it might go. We're always approaching other people in light of the filters that we have. And we all have filters. Mm -hmm. And I think men are becoming more aware of the filters that women have. And those filters have always been there, by the way. It's just that now we're all more aware and we've... Are the, the hashtag Me Too movement has given permission to name those and then to figure out what we're going to do in light of those and hopefully shift things enough that the filters that women have won't have to be the same, that they can shift over time. Mm-hmm. Now, I will get text messages and emails and phone calls asking this question. So I will ask, ask you, it. the expert, the question. Preemptively. Do women not have a responsibility to give men the benefit of the doubt when a man comes up and strikes up a conversation. Is there not some responsibility on the other side to give that guy the benefit of the doubt? 
In an ideal world, yes. Mm. Um, and I would think that um, that's something that women would like to be able to do. Um, there's some women who've had so many negative experiences yeah. that for their own safety, whether they like it or not, there's sure. a part of them that hangs back. Mm-hmm. Um, and I would like to live in a world where that is no longer necessary. Yeah. Um, and I think we can all do our part in figuring out and naming it and figuring out how we can relate to each other so that men and women mm-hmm. are looking across at sort of across the table, yeah. eye to eye with each other in right. a way that both feel respected and supported and and that there's a genuine interest to get to know each other. Yeah. And that's fair. That's a great answer to the question because let's face it, uh, very rarely has a guy ever dealt with a woman coming on to him the way many women have dealt with guys coming on to them. I mean, it's not uh, it's not the same. It's, well, statistically, it's not mm. going to happen with the same frequency. Right. And actually, it does happen. For, oh, I'm sure it does. It does. And, and what's unfortunate on that side is that when a man is approached by a woman in a way that isn't respectful and feels unsafe and is intrusive, the downside of that is he often isn't able to tell that story to anyone because mm. it's a shaming experience for him. Right. Uh, anything else you want to say about ways men can approach women before we move on to the personality traits? So one of the things is letting go of the outcome. I think one of the things that um, the article was talking about is that in a relationship, when you go up to meet somebody, you co-create the conversation. And sometimes um, there's an expectation men put on themselves to say, this is how I want it to go. This is how I'm going to I'm going to plan this conversation and this is how it's going to happen Mm -hmm. without letting her be her. And so if you can let go of what's going to happen, I'm just going to go up, introduce myself, and together we will create to see what this conversation looks like. And I will sort of take my cues from her that we are going to together figure out the direction of this conversation. I'm not going to plow my way through. Um, that there be good eye contact. Sometimes we have that cocktail hour eye contact mm-hmm. where you're looking over her shoulder uh, to see if people are noticing and what people are thinking and just look at her. Yeah. And the most powerful way to be interesting is to be interested. Mm. That when you show interest, listen. listen, is to show interest in the other person. And I think sometimes when a man crosses the room, which is a hugely courageous thing to go meet a woman, that's hugely courageous. I think sometimes he feels like it's a job interview where I've got to present my resume, give her three <laughs> or four reasons right up front to like me. Yeah. Um, when paradoxically, if you find out three or four really interesting things about her and celebrate that, mm-hmm. that is actually what's really attractive. Yeah, I think that's good advice when dealing with another guy. Show interest, look them in the eye, listen to what they're saying, don't just blurt out your stuff, actually engage in a conversation. Absolutely. And it's, I think you make an excellent point is this is about human connection. This is about one person meeting another and finding a way to, to remove some of that gender bias that we all have and figuring out how we can be respectful in a Mm -hmm. way that we no longer have to pay so much attention as what's the guy's job, what's the girl's job, but how can we, we are wired for connection. How can we make this a really cool human connection between one person and another? Do you think maybe when you do have an interest in uh, somebody of the opposite sex, maybe if you can with other friends, arrange sort of a group setting, and then the pressure's kind of off, eh? Or is that that a bad idea? Well, I think when it's one-on-one and you're trying to sort of cold call somebody, like walk across the room and make that conversation, I think everybody's heart rate goes up. And Mm -hmm. I think when we're nervous, we're not fully ourselves. It's hard to be authentic and to be the kind of person that is beautiful and attractive just in your own right. And Mm -hmm. so I think when there's other people around, it can lower the temperature, lower your heart rate, and then you get a chance to shine and and the other person does too. Yeah. Okay. On to these uh, personality traits, seven of them. People with these seven personality traits make the most loving and 
and connected soulmates. I think we have time to quickly go through each of them a bit. Okay, real quick. Um, I'll I'll say them and you tell me what you think, okay? okay? They are honest, honesty. Trust is foundational to a relationship, and if a person is going to be honest with you, then you know that you can trust them. They are accountable. So in other words, if they blow it, they can acknowledge it, and when you're accountable, then you are better able to change your behavior and be responsive to the other person, and that feels really safe. Yeah, Empathetic. We've been talking a lot about empathy lately. This is really important. Right. If you can understand how the other person feels and identify that to them in a way that has you get, I know what you're going through, and now we're going to have the rest of the conversation in light of that, says to the other person, you are important and you matter to me. Assertive. Why is that important? When you're not able to say what you need or what you're thinking or what you're feeling, the other person is operating blind and that can't make for a healthy relationship. If they can know who you are because you can say it, then you're setting the relationship up for success. Rational. Another important one. It's nice when the other person's (laughs) rational, eh? Well, and so often we we ask when we have anxiety, we go off into what might happen and we start acting out of what we fear might be happening than what is actually happening. So being rational is about recognizing those panicky thoughts, but then grounding yourself and saying what is really happening and I'm going to respond to the person out of what is, not what I'm scared of. And again, these are the seven personality traits. People that have these traits make the most loving and connected soulmates. Uh, Supportive. Right. When a loving soulmate is on the same team as you, and so when you're going through a hard time, they're there in your corner and they got your back. And when you know someone has your back, it's a beautiful, powerful thing. And one more, the seventh, they are loving. Yes. um, Soulmates provide an emotionally safe, healthy, loving relationship based on the fundamentals of mutual respect decency and commitment. So they know that although you might have moments that you might have to apologize for and be accountable for later, overall, you're a person that is making a safe space for them. Carolyn, always uh, great chatting with you. And thanks for bringing in your son, Carter Bergen. Carter, uh, where are you uh, going back to school, by the way? I'm going back to Trinity Western University. Very nice. What are you taking? I'm a psychology major. Oh, boy. Well, there you go. Another one in the family. Doesn't fall far (laughs) from the tree, eh? Yeah. Yeah. Um, Now, I'm curious to know, did that help you uh, going into that, coming from a home where your mom was a a therapist? Uh, Quite a lot, yeah. Just um, understanding... Like, the more you understand where behavior comes from, the more you can understand people. And so that that yeah. started at a young age for me, luckily. So how much longer do you have before you uh, get your degree or whatever? I have one more year. One more year. Mm-hmm. And then what? Will you will you be joining Connexus Counseling? <laughs> um, then I'll be going overseas to play volleyball. Are you? Yeah. Oh, so you're a hell of a, volley, a volleyball player, too. I wouldn't too, say eh? a hell of a well, volleyball player. Well, you must player, be if you're yes, going he overseas. Yes, he is. I'm a yeah. proud mom. Yeah. 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 No, your mom was telling me you went to that tournament. Where was that tournament at, Carolyn? He was in at? Brazil earlier uh, this month, actually. Yeah. yeah. But where were you? You were just at something too where there was and volleyball. And I was at the Volleyball Nationals in Hamilton in spring. Right. Yes, the youth sports. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, real good volleyball, as you know, uh, Carter, very good volleyball players here in Winnipeg, eh? Very much. Yeah. The, uh, the volleyball community here is very strong, yeah. Yeah. I'll bet you have uh, tipped a couple back at Super Spike, huh? Uh, a couple. <laughs> <laughs> Carter, it's really nice to meet you. I'm, I'm glad you came in today and keep up the good work for another couple of weeks over at Main Street Project. Thank you very much. I will. And Carolyn, thank you. How can people get a hold of you? We would love to chat with you. Um, our number is 204-275-1045 or look us up at connexuscounseling.ca. All right.